are alive, we are caffeinated, and the New England Patriots have one of the best records in the AFC. Welcome to the Bad Signal Podcast. We are approaching December. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. But you know what? This year was a good year for us. It continues to be a good year. It's an exciting time to be an NFL fan. Bad Signal Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Better Edge. We will have my friend James from Better Edge on later this week to tell you some of the interesting facts and numbers. We all like to get into the numbers game here. But James is going to give us the best lines of the week and better lines segment on Bad Signal Podcast because we are brought to you by the greatest marketplace for sports betting bringing the edge back to the betters. No fee, no vig at betteredge.com. It's you, not the books, setting the price of betting lines so you can make bank. Better Edge is available in 45 states for real money, sports betting positions. We do make money on my Fade Fallon segments. I mean, listen, you want to talk about the New York Jets and the New York Giants money line parlay, that New York, New York parlay. If you laid down a hundred bucks, you won yourself a nice five hundo. Five hundo on the weekend, following our picks on Sunday mornings. So go to betteredge.com, create that account. Fallon, you get your first $10 off your first order. Play the game without getting played at betteredge.com. Today's show is very special. We have our first reoccurring guest. I know I'm going to say that in the first couple of minutes of the, the podcast, but Jerry Thornton of Barstool Sports. Uh, you know him for his scorching hot sarcasm and Patriots takes. He has a podcast called Do Your Pod. I did his show for Barstool Sports um, with one of his uh, his producers as well. So if you like this show, if you want to hear me and Jerry talk for like almost two and a half hours, you can just lay the two of these back to back. Their show is coming out on Wednesday. This show is coming out right now. So without further ado, after the Patriots' convincing win over the Tennessee Titans on Sunday in Week 12, the optimism is high. I welcome to you, Jerry Thornton of Boston. It's always fun to talk to shop with Jerry Thornton. One of my favorite writers from before I even saw the name to the face. A writer, an author, stand-up comedian, a man of letters is how I like to describe myself. Some weekends, a man of leather, but that's we're going to keep my private life out of this. You are actually, Jerry Thornton, our first reoccurring guest on the podcast. So I've, welcome. I've made welcome history. Oh my! You God. are making history as we speak and as the Patriots are on a torrid pace to take down Everything that stands in their way in the AFC, it's a perfect time to talk shop about some New England Patriots. And, of course, Jerry, on the uh, Do Your Pod podcast, you can go check out our conversation. We'll try to make this one a little different, although it was it was pretty incredible, pretty legendary. But, Jerry, how are you feeling on this, on this lovely day, approaching week 13 with the Patriots and a stare down? with the Buffalo Bills on a Monday night game, and Bill Belichick is already in prime Bill Belichick form. He's already he's already getting pissed off by people, by people giving him nonsense. Nothing that has to do with the game of football that is, that is approaching. Oh, and you know what? This is one of the great things about him is that he's an equal opportunity basher. Like, I, I love when one of the female officials in the NFL does something he disagrees with, and he will light her up like yeah. a Roman candle out of respect. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to sit there and uh, I don't know, a pander. He's not going to treat her like, Oh, well, okay. Little lady or whatever. Like, okay, you're, you're in the arena. Now you'll get my yeah. utmost respect until I don't like where the ball was placed and why aren't you measuring or whatever. And that's one of the great things about him. Obviously I am a, you know, big adherent of the uh, Belichickian philosophy you know, I, he is the source of all my teachings, my, where my moral compass points. And uh, right now, yeah, I'm I'm riding a gravy train with biscuit wheels, Courtney. This is a uh, this is unexpected. And I went into the season optimistic because I, yeah. I I liked the moves that they did last year. Seventy nine, as bad as that was, and uncharacteristic as that was, they had 
put their pieces in such a place that they could reload the team in a way that they never had before. They read a kind of a, an anomaly in the market and they took advantage of it. Then had the draft that I wanted them to have training camp all the way through was smooth. And you said, this is, this is how I wanted things to progress, but no way did I think that I'd be sitting here as you know, it, December dawns and that they'd be eight and four and in first place in the division and getting better as they go along. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 10 feet high and bulletproof right now. What was the first thing that you kind of identified that you knew that this team was different? I, I think for me personally, it's watching the progression and the patience that he's had with a young quarterback in Mac Jones and looking at the games from week three and week four. And it was just like, okay, you have this quiet optimism not only as a, uh, you know, an unbiased journalist, which we can and can often be sometimes, sometimes on the other side, sometimes slightly irrational, but watching Mac Jones and Josh McDaniels really just put the pieces together. And there were times that the Patriots were approaching a fourth and one in, in their opponent's end zone. I mean, or they're on the 40 yard line and, and Bill still punting and you're just like why doesn't he trust the kid why well now you get it there is a a progression of what bill has done with this team to build trust to build continuity to make mistakes and then build on those mistakes because as of right now the way that this patriots offense and although that it's not necessarily perfect especially you know there were there were some glaring issues in in the red zone against that that titans team but um the points differential between them and opponents, uh, they're really clicking on, on 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 all cylinders and possibly on their way to a historic historic numbers that you were mentioned on your show as well. Yeah, you know, there's um a few stats that are extremely telling, and I, I look, I'm all about the analytics to an extent. I think they're they're useful, but a simple stat that goes across all team sports: point differential. Yeah, and baseball be run differential. Theirs is off the charts, you know, and it's it's something like, I don't know, uh, I want to say like 175 points more scored in the last six weeks than than they've given up. And that's really yeah. telling. There's another one that really works in football. My buddy, Kerry Byrne, founder of Cold Hard Football Facts. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's he a great guy. He was doing stuff for the, the Herald, right? Yes. And um, yes. now He's now doing regular reporting for the New York Post. So he broke okay. back. He went into actual news. Um, but, you know, he's a he's a longtime friend of mine. I wish he was still writing about beer and, and barbecue and football. But anyway, his, his stat he came up with is point different. I mean, I'm sorry, passer rating differential. And it's very simple. What is your passer rating? What passer rating you given up? Subtract them. And he says that metric is only second to point scored in determining who the winner of a, of a game is. Wow. And that over the course of the Super Bowl era, something like 75% of the winners, don't quote me on that number, but have been either first or second in the league in that stat. Two teams that are way up right now on the rest of the NFL in that are Buffalo and the Patriots. And there's some other teams that are in the top 10 in both that are mm. in competition, but it's those two. So that's going to make for a, a insane matchup. And, you know, to, to get to your point about the, um, you know, the way they were kind of keeping the training wheels on uh, Mac Jones early on yeah. in the season. And this just occurred to me today, really. I've, I'm long since believed that since they, they, they put a limit on training camp practices, padded practices. Yeah, you know, no, no two-a-days no anymore. Yeah, that September has become an extension of training camp for the good yeah. teams. There, yeah. are, there are years where you look at all these good teams that are like two and two at the end of September – but often those are the ones that figure it out and the really good ones will still be in it in, in the hunt. 2014, yeah. the Patriots Colts ended up in the conference championship. The Packers and the Seahawks ended up in the conference championship. They all started 500. And it, it hit me today that Mac Jones, it, it was even more pronounced for him because he didn't take the reps with the first team in training camp. Yeah, I know. There were days he got more throws than Cam Newton did, but it was Newton was with the ones. So this kid even needed more training. And the fact that by week four, he was outplaying Tom Brady in the yeah. biggest pressure cooker 
in a regular season game in NFL history, that's the moment where I said, you know what, what they've got going could be really special. The fact that he didn't blink with the, the second highest rated TV, TV rated yeah. regular season game of all time told me, all right, th- this kid has whatever that indefinable it is. I, I just think cut from the same cloth as Nick Saban. I think that whether or not he spoke to Mac and told him that we're throwing up this smoke screen, you know, where for whatever smoke screens that Bill does during the draft to grab Mac Jones at 15. And I have Jets fans in my life who are looking at this kid. I, I fucking hate this kid already. I yeah. haven't even, I, I like, I'm a Jets fan and, and this is terrible. Like this is bad. That means that people across the league are recognizing that this kid has something else has, has an intangible. And I think for me, more so that he is neurotically crazy, just like Tom, just like Tom Brady. I do believe um, the whispers inside the organization that says that, oh, you know, he is better prepared. He is, um, you know, I'm not saying he's more athletic, but um, he's grasping the playbook more. He's more attentive to details than when Brady was. Listen, I, I think all of that being said, in terms of you comparing a Derrick Henry running back to uh, an Eddie George, who was my favorite running back growing up, or, um, you know, or, uh, some of the great of the Barry Sanders, you yeah, know, Barry Sanders was mine. Yep. Barry, Barry yep. Sanders. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, who's the running back for the Broncos? That was really great. That's uh, Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis was the mm-hmm. other one. I always just forget his name. Those were well, my two favorite. He was only around for like seven seasons. So yeah. 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 But you're going to go in and you're going to compare someone of the evolution of an athlete, the evolution of an athlete, the athletes. Now these kids know that calisthenics is, is going to stabilize your ligaments and your legs and doing more yoga instead of doing more weight room stuff. Like, you know, I mean, I think the, the evolution of the athlete is always going to get stronger and bigger and faster. And, and that means mentally as well. So for someone to say, Oh, Mac Jones is so much smarter and, and more keen to the playbook and all this stuff. I feel like that's just by natural selection. Don't you understand? Don't you think so? It's like, like Nick Saban definitely prepped him and said, these are the parameters that you want to do. You want to be a great quarterback in that, in that organization. And you want to work and work well, under Josh McDaniels, who I think has much more of an impact on Mac Jones than than Bill Belichick does. I, this is what you have to do, and these are the guidelines. Yep. He um, I wrote this back in late March when I said not only is Jones the perfect Patriot, but that they will take him. And there, there was one or two mocks who had him going maybe even to the second round. I said, wow. no way they let him go that far. Do you think that but was he, a character thing because he got a DUI or, you know? I think it was more because body. people just dismissed this. Oh, look at the talent around him. And, you know, yeah. Bill Walsh was a big advocate of just look at the player. Forget all the other stuff. Forget the circumstances surrounding him. And, and at the same time, I go, well, all right, he has all these first rounders, all these great players yeah. around him, and he's in command of the huddle. Like, there's something to be said for that. You know, the Patriots have always been a team that that gravitated to its team captains in the draft. Yeah, and I think they they like to fill the locker room with leaders, and then just hope these kind of super leaders emerge. I'm thinking of guys like Matthew Slater and uh, Devin McCourty, and you know these super accountable, reliable guys, and it's worked out well for the most part but to me jones was a referendum on what you think of the quarterback position for instance if you think that it's all about being able to make these plays out of structure and escape the pocket and throw on the run so patrick mahomes and russell wilson and josh allen then you want no part of him you want one of the other four and clearly that's the way it broke and i always i and i said at the time yeah. the guy who can't leave the pocket and run around and make throws on the run just won a super bowl over all these guys who can yep and he's he was 43 years old so i, I still think there's a place in the nfl for a traditional drop back passer and that the most important muscle in your body at that position is the one between your ear holes and if you can process information and anticipate a route and know what a defense is is doing to you with some certainty, then you're going to be great. And if you can run out of the building and throw the ball 60 yards on the full run, you might be great or you might be Johnny Manziel. 
You, I, so funny that you're mentioning this and it almost makes me wonder with the onset, we, we probably would have to say that Michael Vick inspired the young generations and the Maddens. And I mean, everyone has stepped back and said he, he really um, transformed the, the mobile quarterback position. And, and we are all just visioning and watching descendants of that. Um, there's a reason outside of Mac Jones outplaying Cam Newton during training camp. Um, there is a reason that Josh McDaniels, and I believe fully believe that this was Josh McDaniels decision more than it was Bill Belichick's decision, because we've seen a completely different type of coach when it came to Bill defending Cam Newton, but Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones are a match made in heaven. And that is the type of quarterback that fits under his system, that fits under his plays, that plays the same cadence and the step backs and, and just positionally wise, you know, like I don't think the Patriots and as much as they tried, they, they can't run a system at least under Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and whoever is the heir apparent to when Josh McDaniels leaves for a head coaching job, because we all know that that is coming down the pipeline as well. Um, the, the Patriots system does not work for anyone outside of a pocket quarterback. Now, do you think that the NFL has glorified too much, kowtowed to the Patrick Mahomes, to the Trey Lance style, to the Justin Fields style, too much too soon? Because you mentioned those three quarterbacks, and outside of, yes, Patrick Mahomes is an MVP, uh, they haven't had very much success. Um, Justin Fields in particular, obviously Trey Lance hasn't seen the field this year because Jimmy Garoppolo is holding steady under center there in, 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 um, San Francisco, but have we glorified the mobile quarterback too much as an NFL society? Yeah. I think we've made it a prerequisite and listen, yeah, right? like, yeah. And, and a lot of these guys that we're talking about, you can, can quarterback for me any day, you know, give, give me Russell Wilson. I think he's just a straight up winner and, and so on. It's just like, to me though, since I was a little kid, I've heard, oh, the next generation of quarterbacks going to be guys who can run. I'm yep. telling you, it's going to happen. And sometimes it was. And mm -hmm. Steve Young, a great example. But then there'd be other guys that just never materialized. I, I, you remember uh, Cordell Stewart, right? Oh Smash my gosh. That, yeah. That's going to be the, the model for what they're all going to be. And he was okay. He was a decent quarterback. But who's been much better than him? Ben Roethlisberger, who is just hard to tackle because he's hard to tackle, but he's not going to, yeah. you know, beat anyone, you know, in a, in a 40 yard dash Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know, uh, as long as it, to me, it's a lot more important to have pocket awareness. Like I, I was blinded to a lot of flaws. Drew Bledsoe had back when he was my quarterback, not when he became the uh, connoisseur of fine vintages, uh, which he is now. Um, Pino Gris. What did you yeah. say that he was drinking in the press book? I think he had a, probably a nice Shiraz, something Shiraz. with like a oaky finish and some maybe some juniper notes, but with good good body, black good pepper, maybe yeah. some pearl. It's like, and, dude, um, dude you're, you're at Gillette I, Stadium. Like, just go grab a an aluminum can of beer. What are you? Uh, what are you doing? God I, bless I love. You. I love when wine. I mean, I've worked in fine restaurants, and and the and the, the like. They're like, wow, it, it really tastes of um, lava dirt and black pepper, and I get notes of like you could say whatever the fuck you want. Oh yeah, I <laughs> I have this thing where describing wine and that's like and people, people just nod like, and agree with you. Absolutely, I sense that. I've, yes, I've been to wine tastings and I just try to come up with a phrase going into it that I can <laughs> use to sound like I'm. I'm a th I I took an art class in college because it had no um. It, it, there was there was no homework or whatever, and I said oh, I'll, I'll learn to draw. You can just smoke some yeah. weed and and, and, go in and and paint. Yeah, and the nude models they hired from campus were just that was a, an added bonus. But whatever, I, yes. I was really good at drawing parts of them, according to other women in the class. Like, oh, you do have oh, to draw this well. But anyway, I we went to a gallery one time, and I just said, you know, it has a real subtle luminosity to it. And people, well, you know what it really does? And I've just just pure bullshit. And so with yeah, if you can talk about the the finish of a wine, or it just you know it really, you know, that's a little bold in the bottle but i think it turns into a coward when you pull the cork and they're like wow he's so he's so good but really i i drink wine with dinner every night courtney and i promise you 99 times out of 100 
it's from a box. Yeah. Trader Joe's. You're not, you're, I'm you're, not, I'm yeah, not being paid to endorse. great, though. Yeah. Two Buck Chuck is fantastic. Exactly. Fantastic. I'm not being paid to endorse it, but yeah. yeah. When, All right. Back to, back uh, to yeah. Drew oh, yeah. Bledsoe. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. So Drew Bledsoe. Back to Drew Bledsoe and, it, and you pointing it, out the, the flaws of Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. It took uh, me a year or so of him <laughs> being a Buffalo to be able to see with a dispassionate eye and say, he has no sense whatsoever of where pressure is coming from. You know, he just holding the ball, looking upfield and getting clobbered. And tough, the tough as nails, don't get me wrong. But yeah, but, but by then I was seeing enough of Brady to say, look, he sensed it, so he slid over here to get away from it, or got rid of the ball because he knew that it was coming behind him. And I don't I don't know that you can teach that. I yeah. think somebody's either born with that kind of spatial it, awareness, that that spidey sense that danger is behind them that they can't see with their eyes. And some guys have it and some guys don't. So you know, it doesn't, I, I'm just, it's a long-winded way of saying it's not so much that you can, uh, you can sprint with anybody. It's just that you can slide, move up, step in the pocket or eat it when, when necessary. Yeah. The New England Patriots right now have positioned themselves to be the top of the AFC and two matchups with the Buffalo Bills do await them. What can you anticipate as um, the, the the tone setter for this, Bill always likes to take away their toughest opponent. Uh, you know, right. to take away their biggest strength. Well, make, their make strength them play left-handed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tredavious yeah. White just went out uh, with a torn ACL. I think that's kind of the kiss of death for the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, next to Josh Allen, if there's one guy you take out of there that's going to impact everything, you, you would have said White without without hesitating. Without so, hesitating. yep. Um, the the biggest flaw in the in the Bills, and and we've seen it, is they have an utter lack of ability to run the ball, other than than Josh Allen. So, I think they they put a spy on him. You know, a, a different guy each time. This time it might be Kyle Duggar, who has really started to figure this game I out. He's among kid. the league leader in snaps. Oh, yeah, he really flashed last year, but then he disappeared a little bit early in the season, but mm -hmm. he's, he's an every down hybrid linebacker safety who hits the way we hoped he would when you first started seeing his highlight reel out of Lenore Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Where and is I, that I, school? North Carolina, I, I believe. So, I sometimes I, I look up their schedule just to see who they were playing. Yeah, who are they playing? And how did he end up with them? It, you know, his, his highlights look like, I don't know if, if, like an NHL player all of a sudden just showed up at a, at a peewee game. Um, and then, you know, Adrian Phillips has led the team in tackles last year, and he's in that same kind of position. As, yeah, great as, pickup uh, from the Chargers. And Kyle Van Noy was, is the perfect system fit. He's that, he's that gear that you slide into the middle of the machinery who just fits all the other gears, and he's never played for anybody else the way he has for them. So that combination yeah. of guys keeps an eye on Allen. And then you don't have to fill the box. Then you're just going to flood zones. You know, they've been able to generate a pass rush with four guys a lot this year, thanks to Matthew Judon, the best free agent signing, hands down in the league. Yeah. And, and Barmore, who you mentioned, who's just been a revelation. So that gives them the luxury of dropping seven guys and sometimes eight guys. And then just give the ability to give Josh Allen things that he's not necessarily ready for and as good as he was last year he's only been that about half the time this year so yeah i, I respect the bills i think going up there is going to be tough the pats will be underdogs for sure but never forget that they were a red zone fumble away from beating them last year and yeah. cam newton just carried the ball like a you know like like i i don't know like it was a hot log <laughs> it just <laughs> dropped it at the first sign of trouble and they ended up losing that game. Otherwise, you know, we're not fearing them nearly as much as, you know, we, we, we would be had they won. Isn't this kind of Bill Belichick's dream to play an all zone defense? I mean, like having the, having the pieces and the smarts in place, you don't, you don't need that, that dinosaur, that man to man cover guy. That's going to be following your best player down the field. It's, it's, it's a cohesive team unit, um game plan that you're putting together with guys that are hybrids i mean mm -hmm. putting guys in positions 
it's funny you brought up Kyle Van Noy. It's just one of those things. It's why does this guy only make plays in the Patriots system? No disrespect to anything that Brian Flores and I'm a big Brian Flores supporter and um, hope that the Dolphins do well outside of losing to the Patriots twice oh, a year. Right. Him coming year. back was such an unexpected like surprise. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it hurt. It hurt when he went to Miami. And then after one yeah. year, like how did that not work out? I mean, who doesn't want to play for Brian Flores and who runs that system and has coached Kyle Van Noy in it that doesn't want him. And so they paid him yeah. big money and he bounces right back. And, and he was it. hurt by that. He was very, I mean, it was like a, it was a, it was a big deal for him. And it's also was a big deal because at the time when Kyle Van Noy went down there and I know all respect to Jason McCourty, who is dealing with injuries down there on that defense. But a, a lot of people have said that the defense of Brian Flores after he left New England, it's not really hit so much to the mouth. They're really like a physical smash mouth team. Um, perhaps my question to you is, how would you describe this team now? Um, obviously, Bill is taking over and calling plays or whether or not he's really giving the decisions on what plays to call to Gerard Mayo and to um, to his son, Steve. But, um, you know, I, what is the identity of this Patriots defense? Because it used to be that when Brian Flores left, they just they weren't as physical up front or as physical in general. And now we have Ben Noy back into the into the mix of the defense. But um, how would you describe? Yeah, I mean, aside from some struggles against the run at times, particularly early yeah. in the season, and then they, they came back up against Tennessee, they're they're tough, they're physical. They pressure quarterbacks without necessarily having to send extra guys. But then yep. if they can build up a lead, then you start seeing the extra guys. And, you know, they, they, when they're at their best, they add pages to the, to the playbook as we go. And you see yep. rushes that you didn't see before. But the, to me, the main thing is that they're, they're versatile and, and smart. So there was one play, um, they had a goal line stand against Tennessee and on third down it was um tennessee came on this big jumbo set they did one of those you know number 61 is reporting is eligible three tight yeah. ends and then spread them out and you see all the patriots all doing their, their signals and their gestures and everything and immediately spread out to them and had the, everything in place and everyone knew their assignment and that was when they went to pruitt in the end zone and van Noy broke it up and then on fourth down they go for it again, and McCordy slaps the ball to J.C. Jackson. Well, he slapped it up in the air so naturally J.C. Jackson is going to come down. In a yeah. very long time. J.C. Jackson's not going to get that. He could have been on the other side of the field. It's yeah. going to deflect to him. He just has that weird kind of preternatural gift for being where the ball is in the air. Um, and so that's what I love to see best about him, like making the adjustments, being able to stop a team when they're you know, trying to pound the ball, being able to stop a team when they're trying to throw the ball. And then more than anything, when they get um, uh, up on a team, they might give up a bunch of yards to eat, eat up clock. That happened. I want to say in the chargers game, you know, I, I want to say the chargers got like a garbage time, Yeah, but, but it, it didn't matter because they had the lead and like, fine. So they'll, we'll recover the onside kick with nine seconds left and ball game over. So it's, it's great to see. It reminds me so much of, like a lot of things this season, it reminds me of the 2001 team. There's just so many eerie parallels from the first time starter taking over for a former number one pick, yep. you know, and them keeping them in control and letting an aggressive turnover hungry defense win games for them, having that run uh, pass balance on offense yep. and, yep. and elite special teams. So, Boy, that's the formula. It's crazy that it's happening again exactly 20 years later. Time is a flat circle. No, time Everything really we is. Have done, we have done, we did before, and we will do again. Are you, are you, um, Matthew McConaughey? Are you, and, are uh, you hypnotizing me? Was no, that's Matthew McConaughey and True Detective. Yeah, I, I love the movie references. I, I always okay. just forget names and, and scenes immediately. I have to write them down. I'm a different kind of learner, but. For one it, it, season, one of the great single seasons of TV of all time. No, don't don't bother with any of the, the others. Okay. But yeah. And yeah. Alexander Dredario, that's all I will say. You're you're 
your your listeners will know Alexander Daddario and Woody Harrelson. All right, I'm okay. sorry. I just I just went away for a second there, but I'm no no no. His, I'm, I'm back. Put the ice back on your head. Yeah. No, it's funny that you say that, and and you as a Patriots historian as well with the Six Rings book. That I, I I will gladly purchase. I know that we had Dang spoken it. about this before, but we had um we had talking about in our little pre-show about different books and the dynasty and the Seth Wickersham book and what's good and what's bad. The Michael Hawley book, Brady and Belichick, is quite possibly one of the best Brady and Belichick books. And I took the time a couple of months ago where I read and then I stopped, but it goes through every single year in one chapter and describes the personalities that they brought into the room and the Brian Cox's and um, you know, just kind of those transcendental locker room guys that really helped to congeal the team identity to help to bring guys together and just certain that the pieces that we're putting to place. And I, and I swear it's like after 20 years and Brady left in this, it's reading like like a perfect love story once again and you go and read that 2001 chapter and you continue to 2002 03 04 they won the super bowl once again i I just think that this team at this point in time and granted they still do have some things to work out i think the red zone offense is a little concerning and it could Mm -hmm. be it could be perfected um, I, I, you know, I, I do like the reemergence of someone like John Smith, who was more or less written off by the season, uh, Kendrick Bourne having a breakout game for Bill Belichick and calling him my guy, the team camaraderie, when every single player on the Patriots ran into the end zone to celebrate right. Kobe Myers, that was special. And that's something that, you know, you can't teach, but you can just tell there is a, a level of trust and in how you build championships, you have to get better gradually. And it seems as though this team, and I'll hold my tongue on this until the end of the year or for another five games that the Patriots have. I can't believe it's five games. We're stepping in. Isn't that weird to say? Yeah, yeah you know, I know. Stepping into December, I'm like, four. More, nope, five, five more games. Um, it seems as though this team, more than any team in the NFL, has figured it the fuck out. Just, I mean... To be quite frank, the Patriots have figured it out, at least for themselves, and they are hitting their stride at well ahead of schedule. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, and I think Belichick seems like like really a, a man in full. Like he's yeah. he he had to rip this team down to an extent and build yeah. it back up, and you know financially just was strapped last year and had the thinnest roster he's ever had since. 2000 the difference is in 2000 when he showed up he also had to change the culture and you mentioned like the michael holly book one of my favorite passages in there is he calls his first meeting and andy katzenmoyer who was a first round pick by the previous regime yeah once a uh a sports illustrated cover guy back when the sports illustrated cover meant something yep and he comes into a meeting about three minutes late and Belichick just stops. He just takes a seat. And he goes, what are you doing? I goes, what? What do you mean? Meeting's already started. Get the fuck out of here. Oh. You know, don't fuck. Just screw. Get get out. Come back on time next time. And just, just you know, one of my favorite expressions, and it has to do with comedy, but it works in life. Yeah. Um, the uh, sacred cows make the best hamburger. And he just don't care that you're a first-round pick. You know, there's Troy Brown in the back of the room who is in the eighth round that doesn't even exist anymore, has been hanging on to a roster spot. But guess what? He shows up on time. And then in 2009, there was a a freak snowstorm and four guys showed up uh, late. I remember that. Yep. Adalis Thomas. Adalis Thomas. Oh, my God. His quote was, hey, I can't control traffic. This isn't the Jetsons. And my, okay, so a Dallas Jets, oh my, and guess what? I remember this. The day before, the quarterback's wife had a baby, and he was there on time. So here's these guys trying to, like, you know, well, one guy, really. The others just said, admitted we were yeah. wrong. One of them was Randy. Robert was on the team as well, or did that mistake come after Dallas Thomas? Who, who, who now? Albert Hainsworth. 
uh, that was the he, I Hainsworth. Think it was right after it was 2011. So it was Hainsworth. And and paid Hainsworth. OG. Well, Hainsworth was on like a 92. I do like him though. He lives was, down. Here. Hainsworth nice and Ocho Cinco were signed in the same offseason. Yes. And so actually, they traded for them. They paid like you know late round draft picks to get them. Crazy. And money. the reason I remember is because Hainsworth was gone in like four games. Like he was clearly he just didn't care anymore. He just, just really just didn't give a shit. He had made like $92 million with the Washington football team. Aforementioned yes. native yes. Americans. Yeah. And he, the, the R words and he the was R doing, words. yeah, he was doing the same things with the Patriots as he had done with every other team. Like, yep. you know, he gets, he gets knocked to the ground on a play. Play goes the other way. Play gets extended. He just stays on the ground. Stays, like couldn't, yeah. couldn't get bothered to get on his feet. And the reason I remember the year is because Ocho Cinco was there for the entire season. Oh, that was they went to the Super the Bowl that ball. year. Can Chad get yeah. a ball? Yeah. Can he, Chad get a ball, please? He finished the year with 16 receptions. It was awful. Yeah. And he's tweeting stuff biggest... about, man, I was, this, this team is so complicated. So much to know. And Teddy Bruschi, bless his heart, just said, like, on TV, publicly, just said, Shut up, get off Twitter, learn the playbook like everybody else. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't be talking about it. I'm amazed at how complicated it is, how great this is. Be part of it. It was no. it was great. I, so yeah. some guys fit into this. Some guys assimilate to this. Some guys who are lesser players in other cities come here and thrive. Some guys are good in other cities and really elevate here. And then you get the occasion like Randy Moss, who's good everywhere, and then yeah. goes in the stratosphere. But Dion Branch is a great example. There's a guy that had two tours of duty here and they got better after they got rid of Randy Moss and re signed Dion, Dion Branch. Branch because he got it. He understood the system. It, you know, clearly Julian Edelman did, but other guys like Ocho Cinco, uh, um, Joey Galloway came here, did nothing. Doug Gabriel yeah. did nothing. And then you got guys like, and it's not about IQ. I mean, with all due respect to Rob Gronkowski, who I like, I, I wouldn't want my life on the line with him playing Jeopardy. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a yeah. guy with a vast storehouse of knowledge, but damn, he knows this offense inside and out. He always did from the day he got here. So it's a hard thing to predict. And clearly, Bourne and Aguilar, so far so good on them understanding it. What are your thoughts on Jalen Mills? I know that he's kind of come on as of late. Um, who's really impressed you in terms of buying into the system, whether or not it's, um, it's a draft pick like Josh Uche, but yeah, who's the thing, kind of bought into the system the best. Well, the thing, the thing about Mills is they signed him. I thought for his versatility, like I went through his game because my life is so exciting. I went through his game by game where he lined up, you know, by, yeah. by, by position. So take your five, you know, in the box corner, uh, a slot corner, a safety, whatever. And there were games where he would play 20 snaps at four different positions and like 16 in another. Then the next week be the outside corner for 60 snaps. And then the next week mix it up again. So I said, perfect, perfect Patriot, right? Cause they can yeah. move him around. But once Gilmore wasn't able to went on the pup list and no one else emerged, he became their full-time outside corner opposite mm -hmm. um jc jackson and i think he's done really well there I, I, i'll say this when i first got to the stadium and wasn't there all last year because uh because of the, the the cooties um mm -hmm. that i was talking to someone who works at the stadium was saying these new guys they've signed are unbelievable they love it here and it said jalen wow. mills stopped and started talking to this person to say i i liked being in philadelphia I love it here so much. And this was like OTAs, like basically wow. they'd, they'd only been there a short time. Wow. And that was like across the board. They also, a guy who came here cause he wanted to, hasn't been able to be utilized in the, with the, they haven't taken advantage of his versatility by necessity, but yep. as in every down corner, he's still on the best defense in the league. Then they have far and away the lowest passer rating against in the league. So take, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, and so much for people saying that Bill Belichick wasn't a draw in free agency. I love the comparisons between the Bradys and the Belichicks, and I think that 
I mean, I've had this conversation ad nauseum. Even when it was Brady week, I didn't even want to do a fucking podcast. I was like, I'm over this. I was still living in New England. And I I just, I it was so nauseating to turn on the radio and hear um, impassioned takes um, from angry fans of angriness and this and rehashing this issue. But I think that we can all conclude that you don't have to choose between Tom and and Bill. You just have to have your mutual respect for each of them. I know my mother was saying something. She said something in the car. We were on the way home from dinner. And I I, I just said, I, I'm. it's just the, the fans that were booing Brady when he came on the field. It's, it's Shame on you. Shame on you for having no respect. And my mom was like, well, I hope he loses. And I said, that's the wrong thing to say. Think about what you just said. And, and, and have some respect for the 20 years that he spent here. Okay. She said, well, okay. I do take that back. And my father who doesn't like sports agreed with me. He said, Lori, take that back. And so she, she took it back. She said, well, if they're playing the Patriots, then, you know, obviously I'm going to root for the Patriots. Sure. That's the way to do it. You know, you can have a split allegiance between the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time. Cause Bill was challenged this off season to match what Tom did in the Super Bowl, go on and 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 be by himself. And I mean, he is living up to that expectations. And you could arguably say what Bill is going to about to embark on by being 28 wins away from Don Shula as the greatest winningest coach of all time, as he enters his prime years of his 70s, still working at a high level, that could possibly be even more impressive of a resume tapper, topper. Topper. A resume topper than than what Brady is doing because I think Brady it's just kind of like all right because keep keep it going but anyways yeah I, I thought I was, back to I, what I was saying yeah. uh, you know hey there's no no draw on free agency for guys that want to go play for Bill Belichick because who the hell wants to go to New England and play for that fucking guy uh, aside from the eight and four record that's the most gratifying thing about what we've seen in 2020 I because love it. Love oh, it. it was, it was uniform. Apologize to Bill. Apologize yeah, no, to him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here comes a movie reference. Oh, I'm going to warn you, I but just God, Godfather two in front of the Senate hearings. This, this committee owes my client an apology. It owes him an apology. Um, the fact that they were insisting that it, the only reason anyone wanted to play in new England was with Brady. So they're all going to take 50 cents on the dollar to go down to Tampa and play with that guy. And Belichick's going to go into free agency. And the, oh, this dynamic was just repeated ad nauseum, you know, with a bunch of cash, but everyone's going to say, what? It's no fun playing for you. And they like, he was going to leave free agency. Like the kid that no one will come to his uh, birthday party because he picks boogers or whatever. And he just, before it even opened, he starts out with John Smith. I'm like, okay, he got the second best tight end, not the one that he probably wanted. And then, you know, you add uh, Jude on it. And then he has Henry the next day. The next what, day? The very next day. It's like, so he got- That was like, I think everyone almost like they choked on their cereal milk in the morning. There was, it was like, it oh, broke yeah. at 10, 15 in the morning. Yes, it was supermarket oh, sweet. He's like, he's like running through, just throwing all these things into the, into the basket. And- you know, and then supermarket sweep, man. Yeah, exactly. Then exactly. Uh, a short time after that, Van Noy comes back. You're like, what the actual? And then he got the guys who took took the COVID opt out. And so, yeah, it's just been so yeah, validating. I'm, I'm surprised that. that Hightower came back. I, I will tell you that. I, I thought that that was the end of, of High, but I'm, I'm happy to see him that back. Was, that was a pleasant. after COVID. Yeah. You know, and. and Patrick Chung decided to hang it up. Okay. I get yeah. It. I mean, you know, well, he, Duggar, he had... was, Duggar was taking his spot anyways, younger, more agile. And, you know, I mean, as, as Chung was hitting his 35, 36 year old years, it just was, it made more, more and more sense. Sure. But, but McCordy didn't uh, retire. Oh, oh, here's, here's a great one. They, um, you know, they're going to lose Joe Tooney. That was inevitable. No surprise yep. there. They lose yep. Joe Tooney. Trent Brown comes back. Well, all right, that it was, was a, a little delay getting him back on. Now he's there every down right tackle to yeah. the point where Michael Onwenu, who was the 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 real prize out of last year's draft, I still say the best six-round pick from Michigan this team has ever had. Um, he is now like a healthy scratch. He's like on the bench, even though he's been their best uh, offensive lineman for the last Hi. two years. They have the luxury of keeping him in reserve or you or know it's so funny about offensive linemen i i just it's almost like 
just, just don't, just don't ruffle those feathers. For me personally, it's almost like get a little superstitious that you're saying, "Oh, we have the luxury of keeping sure. one Good of point. the one of the best and up and coming interior guards on the bench." It's I, I, I just get nervous. There's something about it that's like you can never take your offensive line for granted because when it works in the trenches and you have that continuity, that's winning football. It starts there. So, mm-hmm. yep. Sh- and- and a, a big loss they had was Dante Scarnecchia on that note. Oh, yeah. You know? he, what and I when, always say, he turned my grandmother into an all-pro. Yeah. Uh, he could take any five guys out of the stands and get you probably four yards a carry at, at least. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the the fact that they had to make all these changes in the, the first month of the season was just a total cluster fudge. Um, let's not forget that they had negative rushing yards against yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, and yet they've figured it out. This last week, they didn't have 100 yards. They didn't need it, but they had it every week for the prior, like, six weeks, I think, including against Dallas. So, yeah, yeah it's it, it's been a crazy run. And the, the listening to people have to say that, oh, well, Mac Jones is just a benefit a beneficiary of the fact that they've got this really good system. I'm like, it's system quarterback talk again. Yeah. Where was the system was, quarterback talk I, last I, year when they're I, going, it's no. been Brady all along. There's no system. There ain't no system. It's just because they had Brady, they could do anything, and he hides all their flaws. And now all those same people are just contradicting themselves, and it's glorious. I, I can't get enough of the frustration out there. To the all right, Now there's not only talk about Belichick might be coach of the year, which I think you agree with me. He's coach of the year every year. He might even they'll be executive of the they'll year. They'll never give it to him. They won't. It's like, it's it's forbidden. It's like, yeah. I was talking about that with some of my sports betting friends. And and even though his odds are creeping up, and yes, Mac Jones will be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Jamar Chase hasn't done anything in weeks. Mm-hmm. But actually for the NFL to vote Bill Belichick, it's, it's going to be a very hard pill to swallow that even if he does take them to the Super Bowl, I mean – He'd have to take them to the Super Bowl to win that odds, win that award. And I don't even think Bill would care. I, he, he might. How not. about getting executive of the year? I don't know what uh, more you can do other than have the best free agency yeah. and the best draft. Love that. Yeah. Remember when Howie Roseman won that award? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, and let's face it, if Belichick gets it, that thing is going to end up behind some paint cans in his garage. Yeah. You know, it's not a thing he's going to be looking at. It might even just, I don't know, you want this? I don't know. Like, I don't know what it looks like, but you know, it's not exactly like he's going to be sitting back in his office going, look at that. I, yeah. I really, I really did a good job. It's it, it. Am I hanging a banner in September well, on a Thursday night? No. Then who gives a crap? Here, here's the thing too. And I, I was listening to Felger and Maz a couple of weeks ago, maybe over Thanksgiving. And Felger actually had a good point. I love Felger. I, I think he's, even though he's the the curmudgeon of all curmudgeons. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes he repeats himself when there's nothing going on on the radio. He is he is well versed in, um, in 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 sports radio and and has compelling sports radio talk. Now that I uh, finished wiping his ass, um, I will have to say that that Felger he made a point. He was like, oh, they, some caller was like. I think the kid's going to win rookie of the year. And he's like, okay, let me, let me just get this straight. Who was rookie of the year last year? I do know that chase young. Who was rookie of the year the year before who gives a flying fudge? Like when you win rookie of the year, what does it fucking mean? Does it mean that you win the division? No. Like do people remember who people remember who the MVP was? Yes. That is important. Rookie of the year means nothing. So, you know, all of the extra awards that Bill might win coach of the year and this, they're just, they're just bylines of subtitles of subtitles for him and, and what he has accomplished in his career, because, you know, it's, it, it, what, what matters is, is your playoff record and yeah, maybe your quarterback wins. Maybe that, maybe that stat means something again. Yeah. And you know, Felga has his niche and by the way, he's been great to me, got me a lot of gigs and I used to be a regular on that show. I appreciate him while he drives me insane with his ridiculous, like, you know, anti-Patriots trollery. Um, haven't said I, that. I he, he gets me riled up. Cause when he starts talking shit about bill, I just, I get very, upset. yeah. Oh, it's, it's priceless. And you know, they, we each have our niche. 
And he said yeah. a while ago, someone told me that he heard them say, you know, there are a lot of Jerry Thorntons out there. There's, you know, no one else can do what I do. I go, you know what, if everyone could be Jerry Thornton, then everybody would be. All right. So my, my niche exactly. is to be hacked off when the Patriots don't win these awards that are meaningless. Like I would love nothing more than for Jamar Chase to get it. And for the coach of the year to go to Ron Rivera or somebody, just name somewhere. somebody for, yeah, exactly. Give it to Bruce Arians again. Even though Bruce Arians' headphone hasn't been plugged in since Brady clipped the wire on it in week three of last year and just said, enough of your offense. Stand there. Just oh, he's, no. he's the, I have he's on the queen of England. He's a figurehead. He I, have, the I, have on good, I have on good word from people down there that Brady is, is has the uh has their uh their their undergarments in a vice. I mean it's is your balls in a in, yeah, in a meeting, he, he's running he's Physically, running everything like right? yeah they're running his offense he's in control he's the de facto GM sorry Jason Light and I even asked that to Gotham Chopra on my last show and he was like well I don't think Tom would be would like that very much that it. I said well one of the reporters down there was telling me that Tom is the GM he All calls you have to players, do is watch the game decides who he wants he's got a toolbox full of cash. And he, uh, you know, like, listen, Brady, Brady, like as, as much as that was amazing that he took one of the losingest franchises in, in all of sports, all of professional sports with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he had all the tools in the shed. Like he had a very well set up team there with a defense and two players and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who with Jameis Winston under center, were slinging the ball all over the field. I mean, those guys were, were up and coming. So right. He signs uh, Leonard Fournette. He signs Gronkowski. He, he signed he, everyone. He, he signs he, Antonio he Brown. Called, he called Richard Sherman before Richard Sherman was on the market and said, come play with me. So, 100%. And all you have to do is watch the way that offense plays compared to the first two weeks of last year. And you go, this yeah. is this is absolutely the Patriots offense. And to the point, remember, there was a it was one of the primetime games this year where they, they had like a third and uh, fourth and 10 or something like that. And a play comes in and he just looks at Byron Lethwich and goes, no, no. And he just calls his own play. Like, no way. Again, I Bruce Arians is a figurehead. I, I'm convinced yep. that headset with that weird contraption that he chooses to wear. Oh yeah. That, like, like the strapped on. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's tuned to like smooth jazz. <laughs> well, like the, the yacht rock station on Sirius. It's like, you know, he's listening to Kenny Loggins and the Doobie brothers and crap. There's that. Oh. And, and, Watch how often the head, you know, the mouthpiece, the microphone is up around his temple because he's not saying anything. Like he goes an entire game. He's just watching like us. Like Sunday is the easiest day of his week. All he has to do is, oh, what do we got? Should we reveal it? Okay. And it's probably Brady making that decision too. So, hey, more power to him. But I will say this. And this this is the question that's starting to be debated. And I love it. Yeah. Who's had a tougher challenge? 2020 Tom Brady going to Tampa and winning with that team or 2021 Belichick rebuilding the team he had. And I, I'm saying it's, it's been Belichick. He's had it now. Granted, we already know how Brady's story ended, but um, if Belichick goes deep into the postseason, I'm going to argue that he had a, a, a tougher challenge and did a better job than Brady going into that. As you said, that team that had everything you need except a quarterback. Well, I will say Bruce Arians, he does his damage in the post-game interviews, whether or not he's calling out Tom Brady and said, Oh, that's with our that's with our suck quarterback, or uh, I don't yeah. care that Vita Vea lost a tooth in the middle of the play. He has 32 other ones. Okay. Very yeah. funny. Nice for a good quote. I, I, I will say that the that the fact that Bill Belichick, I think, and I said this on your show, if you go and listen to Do Your Pod, as we're doing a uh, a mm -hmm. dual podcast today, Bad Signal and Jerry Thornton on our dime, on our station, Bill finally, I think he listened. He was so sick of people telling him what to do. And I think he was just keen to the criticism. I think that he had to. He was gradually listening to people like the Eric Manjanis of the world, like the Rex Ryans and the, the, the you know, just the haters that work for ESPN, the talking mouse, the bar Scotts that are saying, oh, he hasn't had a pro bowler since 2013. He sucks at the draft and this. And as he watched his team dwindle away in, in, a, in a washful season, 
I, I think that he just brought in extra help and brought in guys like Elliot Wolf. And I think he brought in a team that said, okay, like, let's do this and let's do this right. So I don't think necessarily it has everything to do with Bill Belichick having the harder challenge. I think Bill Belichick called in collectively the people around him to say, let's rebuild as a community. Let's rebuild this thing together and make sure that we get this thing right. Because it doesn't take one person to draft, no to draft Christian Barmore in the second round out of Alabama. It doesn't take one person to hit on every single draft pick as though, you know, it's as people who are adept in New England and believe that he is the one that drafted everyone. You know, he's going to get the credit, but I also think that he listened to the criticism and he said, I'm sick of this shit. I want to put smart people around me. And he rebuilt that room after a guy like Nick Casario walked out and went over to, to the Houston Texans. He kept losing executives. And I think that rebuilding the culture from the structural perspective, I think is, is even more of a challenge for him. So it's, it's less of the coaching and more of these are the smart people that I'm going to bring around me. And whether or not Matt Patricia is actually doing shit, we don't really know. Whether or not, you know, the role of Gerard Mayo is, is you know, what, what his role, if his role has expanded over the last couple of years, I'd be interested to know. Obviously, these are rhetorical questions that we will never have answered. But I be, I just fully believe that Bill is, is, is smarter for having put the people and the pieces around him to say, yes, I can rebuild and I can rebuild around me. Mm -hmm. That old expression, it's... Uh... It's amazing what you can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. Yes. Amazing. You know? Exactly. A, a good leader will always look at the system and say, does it need to be tweaked? What what's working? What's not? Let's self-evaluate and take ego out of it and just say, okay, well, changes need to be made. We'll, yep. we'll make changes. And by God, right now, sitting here on the, on the beginning of uh, December, it's hard to argue that it hasn't worked. There, there are a couple of plays away from, maybe having 10, 11 wins right now, a fumble here, a clanged field goal there. Um, and it's, it's beyond anything that, that I expected. I hoped, but it wasn't even like, it was a fool's hope. Well, um, I, I, I think that also too, it's, we're in a good position now, at least for, you know, collectively as Patriots fans that, you know, you're going to have the criticisms and you're going to have the cynics and, you're also going to have the 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 children with the pom poms. I'm not necessarily saying I objectively will still say if they suck if they suck, but um, you know, like going into this, it's just it's it's hopeful optimism. It's a good point in the standings, but it's also like, all right, so you know, there's still going to be the people going to be like, huh, Tom owns your number, Bill. You suck, Bill. You know, and I I think that just the mix of everything that's going on behind the scenes um just the patriots still knowing that there are still some kinks to work out that there's going to be a couple of glaring questions that they're going to have to figure out in the month of december before they head through their postseason run as leaders of the afc east who thought that we would be saying that again once again a lot of the curmudgeons and the people that hate the patriots are just like you know what it doesn't make me mad. It just makes me sad to think that they would struggle for a couple of years because that's what I wanted. But, you know, New England turned it around. Let's enjoy those sweet, sweet tears of unfathomable sadness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, uh, the Jerry best cocktail going. Hey, yep. this, is, this is fun, man. I, re I really appreciate it, Courtney, again. this is. I know. I, I appreciate you, too. And, uh, you know, you really are one of my favorite people. And I, I often listen and go and watch the old shit Pats fans say B-sides videos. And um, I laugh my ass off. It's just oh. uh, you you make you you bring so much joy to so many people. And uh, me personally, I I, I just I, I do appreciate you a lot. And listen, I, I, I miss sitting and talking shop like we were on WEI on those 93.7 airwaves. If we were to to sit there with no commercials because no one wants to pay commercials for that station. Just yeah. kidding. Let's just be glad we got off that ship before it, it, it hit the bottom. It's happening. So listen, it's been uh it's been a it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to do this again soon. If I don't yes. talk to you before Christmas, have a have a yes. really great one. I will. Well, Thank you. You too. And, and happy, happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Yes. I know it's the, on the third night of Hanukkah, 
I wished for an AFC East title. Hopefully, God will answer my prayer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.